Welcome to Let Go Lean In, a podcast of resources for your journey of transformation. What kind of transformation? The wholehearted kind, personal, professional, and spiritual. Each week, you'll hear different transforming practices to help you on your journey of becoming more fully you. We'll hear from others about their own journeys, learning to let go of habits and patterns that no longer serve them, and how they're practicing leaning forward to the wise woman God has designed. I'll occasionally include a book recommendation because, well, that's part of how I'm wired. I love ideas and encouraging others to learn and grow. Thanks for being here. Well, my dear listeners, welcome to another episode of Let Go Lean In podcast. And I'm excited to get to introduce you to someone you might not have crossed paths with yet, unless you're listening in on the Sage Forum and reading, or perhaps the Perennial Gen, or maybe some other networks. But Amanda Cleary Estep is here with us today, and you're going to get to meet her. Amanda, thanks for sharing your time with us. For sure, Lisa. This is fun. I've been looking forward to it, and I'm happy to be here. Yay. Well, I appreciate, and this is something the listeners know about me, that there are things that happen in life, and we just kind of have to learn how to adapt and, you know, make space for. And we tried to schedule this several different times via email, and so to finally be here is is awesome. And I, again, appreciate your flexibility. But before we get into our um, conversation, I want to read your bio so that the listeners can know a little bit more about you. And I love this first sentence so much. Amanda Cleary Estep is not related to Beverly Cleary, but wishes she were. (laughs) She is, however, a children's author. And the Tree Street Kids is her middle grade series for readers 8 to 12 years old. Amanda knows kids because she's still one at heart. When she is forced to act like an adult, she edits nonfiction books by grown-up authors. Amanda lives and writes in the mountains of North Carolina, but has spent most of her life in the suburbs of Chicago, the home of the Tree Street Kids. So welcome, Amanda. I can't wait to hear about this journey and, and what life is like as an author and all of those things. So, Well, um, I'm ready to talk about it. <laughs> good, good. Well, let's start with with the uh, a literature reference because I was an elementary school teacher and taught those very kids that are your readers how to write stories. And so the idea of having a through line to hold your story together is is one that I love to chat with with the women that I get to to speak with. And so if you were thinking about yourself at eight to 12 years old, since you're still in touch with that little girl in you. Um, Mm -hmm. Was there a spark of writing in those years? Has this always been a part of you? It it really has. And I know some people discover writing um, at, you know, later in life or midlife or whenever that might be, um, maybe once their kids are are grown and, and they sit down and start to to journal or or explore some some things they've been interested in 
are interested in, but I have dreamed of writing books since I was about seven. I was an avid reader, loved books. And um, I just, uh, I think it was uh, probably when I read A Wrinkle in Time by Madeline LaEngle and also uh, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe by C.S. Lewis. And not only did I love those books, um, they changed something in me. Mm. And those were really probably the two books along with the bazillion others I, I was reading yeah. that made me want to do that work as well. I, I, I just remember thinking as a child, I want to write books like this. Mm. So yeah, it's been there a long time. That inspiration, that the connection, those are great pieces of literature. And no wonder those inspired you. I mean, the characterizations, the descriptions, the the development, all the things that, uh, you know, are elements of great literature. I, I love that you were drawn that way. So I think it hit me on a spiritual level too, though, those books. Uh, um, I was I was raised in a Christian home, but I really feel like I understood God in in a in a new way. Mm. Uh, it just uh, you know, C.S. Lewis said um, the book Fantasties uh, by George MacDonald baptized his imagination, and I yes. totally thinking back, I'm like, that's what was happening. That was what's that's exactly what happened to me as a child with those books. Yeah. You know? Yes, where you could really connect with God, the Creator, the mm-hmm. Sustainer the inspirer i mean all the different elements that that both madeline langle and c.s lewis brought into their characterizations without hammering home this is what Mm -hmm. this is about so to to refer to baptizing your imagination that's just that's beautiful because then there is new new life and and new creation so when did you write your first work that you shared with other people because writing as a little person you would you know have to turn it into teachers and things like that but to a greater audience when when did that happen for you well when i started trying to write my own stories again i was i was very young and my parents were really supportive so not everybody has the gift of of parents like that um so i was very ready to say, Hey, I I wrote this, you know, and there was a lot of encouragement there. And, and I really, um, I, I kept writing really kind of all my life. So I, you know, I was on the high school newspaper and, um, I would, I would enter contests, you know, in grade school on all those kinds of things, you know, I'd write a poem or something. So I wasn't too shy as though I was a very shy child, but I was not too shy with, with sharing, um, my writing. Mm -hmm. And then when my own children were, um, oh, they were little at the time. I, I really wanted to get published, you know, because there's very few writers out there who love to write and never think of getting published. I, I, I don't know if I've ever met one. So, uh, around the time my kids were little, I started to very diligently seek publication and, um, and my first children's story was published um, in what I guess would be a, a larger publication was in Ladybug Magazine. It's part of the Cricket Group. Um, yeah. And and before that, actually, I was writing for a Sunday school curriculum. 
And that was that was the first my first venture into getting uh, my fiction, my children's fiction published. So that's awesome. I love that. I remember Ladybug magazine when I was um, teaching. We would get mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. kind of like the the advertisements to subscribe for a classroom set, and so it was nice when the PTA would allow us to do things like that <laughs> because there are always great stories, and right. and that was you know neat for kids because it would inspire them. I know sometimes children are you know, reticent about taking on a book, but when you can introduce them to great language and inspiring stories in, in little bits, then it can help them, you know, bridge that. Right. And it's a great place for writers to start. I had started by wanting to publish a book or a picture book. So that was kind of the direction I went. And it wasn't until a very kind, um, (laughs) person at a publishing house I had pitched to because those at at that time you were still sending hard copies and waiting for months to get your rejection letter (laughs) (laughs) and um but but the person who sent the rejection letter back said you know you have good story here it's not probably going to work for a picture book but have you considered children's magazines and so because of that, that's um, I, I did start to investigate that. And those magazines are still around. And uh, and that's where I, I, I had my first, you know, big <laughs> that was where I broke into publishing, I guess. So yeah. because of that kind person, you know, taking a minute to to lead me in that direction. So the rejection with hope. <laughs> right. Yeah, right. that's that's I think. One of the hurdles, you know, there some of the listeners that are a part of this audience, I know are budding writers and mm-hmm. facing down rejection, which happens because your story, your project may not be what that person is looking for. But the the fear right. of rejection keeps people from actually stepping forward. How did you manage that for yourself? And, or was that not even an issue? Cause you knew you had something that people needed to read. As far as rejection, I think there's, there's a couple things. The first is that just accept that you're going to be rejected before you even send anything. I mean, just, you just have to kind of come to grips with certain things. It's, it's kind of like, um, well, if you want to run a marathon, you're, you're, you're going to have to, you, you know, going in that you're going to have sore muscles, that you're going to have to train hard. I mean, you, it's just part of, um, not just being a writer, but being a published writer. Mm-hmm. Um, someone said once at a conference, not long after I, I entered the publishing, uh, I, you know, as a book editor, um, I was, you know, now I'm kind of on the other side of that door that I was I was clawing at for a while. But um, somebody said, do you want to be a writer or do you want to be an author? And we can talk more about that later. But there's really this if you want to be an author, there's just certain things I think you have to accept from the get go mm-hmm. and just say this is part of it. Um, you know, climbing the mountain means. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> you know, there's going to be some torn muscles, uh, along the way. And, uh, so that's, you just have to come, you know, accept that and Mm -hmm. and move forward. And then the other thing is 
that you learn from it. I mean, you, you do learn from those rejections and sometimes like, um, you know, the experience I just shared, uh, you, you make a contact with someone who will teach you something. And, and the whole, the whole thing is a learning process. So it's, I think it's to consider it part of the process is, is, is helpful. It's just a helpful thing. It's not personal. It's it's not personal. Um, yes, your writing may not be up to snuff. That's part of it. So then you go back and you say, okay, how can I make this better? Um, who do I need to talk to to make this better? Should I hire somebody to help me? Right. Um, how do I become a better writer? Or is it just like you mentioned before? It, it's it's just not a fit. Um, they have hundreds of submissions. So it's it's, you know, it's there's that's definitely part of it might not have anything to do with how well written something is yeah i think those are really good points to help people understand it is a process the part of the becoming a published author the process of rejection editing re-editing rewriting all of those things that is what it takes to get a book out there in the world plus a lot more (laughs) That's just the actual writing part of it. There are a lot more things that go into uh, becoming Mm -hmm. a published author, as you well know. And and the, the question that I would then ask for people who recognize, okay, this is part of the process, what sustains you? What are some practices for your, not just your writing, the, the act of writing and all of that, but what sustains you to be able to get back to the chair and the computer or the paper and pen, however you approach it? Mm -hmm. That's a really great question (laughs) and, and, and hard to answer. Although I've, I've, as I've been writing more over the years and, you know, every once in a while. So I'm, I'm working on my fifth book in, in this series right now. And uh, there'll be a fifth and sixth book. And, you know, there's, there's those days that you, you think, why am I doing this again? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, This is such hard work. I, I have a day job already. <laughs> so um, part of it is there is, there is joy in it. You are, mm-hmm. you are, gifted with certain things and God wants you to use those gifts. So the part of it is that it is a, it's a, I think our work that, that we feel compelled to do, want to do, are called to do, however mm-hmm. you want to term it mm-hmm. is we're in partnership with God. So he's, he's like, okay, I held up my end. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, let, let, let's get to the desk. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. And it's hard work. That's it. It, it is. Um, it's hard work. But there's also something happened at the end of last year where um, I I really kind of hit a wall with this story and and I just didn't feel the joy. And I did not want to go back to my desk if I didn't feel joy, mm-hmm. because if if I'm writing for kids and I'm not feeling that if I'm not excited, if I'm not, you know, like, um, excited to get back to the story, excited to get back to these kids and this, this storyline, um, and see what's going to happen next, it's going to show in my writing. Right. So, um, I put my work to the side and I, I had just recently read 
something that Matt, again, here I am with Madeline Engel again, obviously she's a, she's a favorite of mine, Yay. but she, <laughs> she wrote, <laughs> she wrote that, um, that we shouldn't be coming to our desks in fear. And I'm not quoting her directly, but that we should be coming to our desks in awe. We should sit down if we're writers or if we're, you know, artists or, or whatever our work is that we're doing, we should come to this with awe with this, you know, kind of this thought that I can't believe I get to do this. I can't believe I get to sit here and and make up worlds and make up, um, yeah. you know, people <laughs> and, and stories and that they're going to end up in the hands of, of kids. And it, it's a heavy responsibility, but I should be coming to it with joy and, and awe. So one of the ways that just in general, um, I try to to cultivate that in my life is by doing things that 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 um, guess in either instill awe in me or feed mm. feed awe. I don't know whatever <laughs> verb you want to use there, but right, right. so I do a lot of things like nature is a big thing for me. Um, nature does does that for me that it helps me tend my imagination and 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 nurture my awe so mm -hmm. i i spend a lot of time outside i love to we have 7 acres in the mountains i love to walk in the woods nice. i um i garden i sit quietly mm -hmm. which is so very hard for us to do mm -hmm. i sit quietly and just kind of look around me um i listen um, I observe things, um, which is very much a Charlotte Mason homeschooling. Uh, yes. I, I <laughs> um, am well acquainted with her. Right. <laughs> this idea of observation, and that's how children learn. And and I think that's how we continue to learn, mm -hmm. is we take the time to observe um, the world and creation and, uh, and kind of be quiet before it. It's kind of like, just shut up and listen, right? <laughs> yes. Um, because yeah. uh, because the birds will tell you, right? <laughs> yes, you you will notice so mm -hmm. many subtleties that if you were still walking, you wouldn't necessarily see, but to sit in stillness and just pay attention is is a real gift because it quiets it quiets you. And then you're also exercising the powers of observation, which will, yes, bring awe back to your writing because something will spark that imagination, right? That that uh, rebaptizing of your imagination, although don't need to be rebaptized with us <laughs> to get doctrinally <laughs> off in the weeds or anything like that. Oh, right. But I I love everything that you said about that. I have worked, you know, I mentioned I was a teacher. I have worked with kids to take them out of the classroom so that they could practice uh, nature journaling. And, and just the idea of, you know, it doesn't matter if it's a flower that you draw or the whole picture that you see, whatever it is, just pay attention to it and right. allow that to come out of your pencil as imperfectly as it can be. And it's amazing over time what that practice 
did for kids, but also for me. I I love to encourage people to pay attention when they get outside. Right. The subtleties right. I, are everywhere. I think another thing is is trying new things because the the older we get, the more we get set in our set in our ways mm -hmm. <laughs> and we enjoy our habits and habits are good and familiarity is good but we can be i think a little bit hesitant to make a big change in our lives or mm -hmm. or just you know go somewhere new i one of my favorite things to do is just get in the car and <laughs> my daughter you know, just and go down these you know little roads in, in the mountains or you know as I'm as I'm traveling and my daughter is always like mom I'm just you know like you're just gonna end up somewhere and you know we're gonna find you like lost somewhere in a you know a cave or you know <laughs> you need to be more careful you know um and and I did have two big changes that I chose to make um in the last several years one was a, a a big job change. I was working. I had my own business, and I said I would never work in the city of Chicago. And I took a job in the city of Chicago <laughs> with Moody Publishers, and that was a huge life change for me because I'm obviously since I now live in the mountains, I work remotely for them. I'm not a city person, <laughs> mm -hmm. but uh, it it taught me a great deal, and. Um, I'll come back to that in a second because I, I, I think I have a helpful tip for people. Oh, um, okay. And then the other one was my husband and I moved to North Carolina. I mentioned I live in the mountains and um, I had never lived ever, anywhere else in my life. Mm. We have no family here. And uh, so huge change, huge change. And uh, but boy, does it, it, it wakes up things in you and the learning curve is huge. Yes. Uh, Where so, are you going to grocery shop? Right. You know? I mean, right. It, it gets down to the granular level when you move to a new area. Um, mm -hmm. You know, there's where do we gather for worship? Where mm -hmm. do we find community? Like all the questions. Right. Was it right? Was it I work mean, even learning to garden. I'm, I'm sorry. sorry. I was going to say, was it work for your husband that took you there or he coming back to where his family is or no, there's nothing. We just liked it here. <laughs> oh my goodness. I love so that we, sense of adventure. We both, yeah. We both work remotely. Um, the, of course the pandemic, uh, changed a lot of things yeah. and, um, it just felt like an adventure and, and it was fun to see my especially my younger daughter's reaction. I have, I have three uh, grown children. My husband uh, has five. So we have a blended family of eight grown children. Nice. But uh, my, my youngest said, mom, you're like a pioneer. <laughs> and I'm like, well, I don't know if it's quite, you know, to that extreme, but it's, uh, it is an adventure for sure. Yeah. But um yeah, but uh, going back to the the job change, I I realized, and this is when when I when I changed to um, the, my my role as a as an editor at Moody Publishers, it felt like an opportunity for me. That's when I went back to writing for children because I had mm. put it to the side for many years, and I was dabbling here and there, and I was taking the train into the city. I had a lot of long commuting. Um, from the suburbs. And I, I basically said, what do you really want to be when you grow up? And 
which also translated into what will you be sorry you didn't do before you die? Because uh, yes, no. <laughs> because um, life is shorter now, right? Um, I have less time in front of me than behind. So, yeah, um, so I had to ask, and, and my immediate answer was, I want to go back to writing for kids. So, um, so there was that, but I also, so that was a great, that was a great thing that happened. The thing that wasn't so great about this change, this job change was that I started to have a really bad attitude. Um, like, oh, I can't believe I'm back in the city. Lord, why would you, why would you, why would you send me to the city when you know, I specifically <laughs> said, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I did not want to work in the city of Chicago. And, um, so I spent a lot of time talking to the Lord on those commutes. Mm -hmm. And the other thing I did, and this goes back to our discussion about observation. Yeah. I, I have a long time love of photography, uh, kind of, I, I almost thought of doing that professionally, um, but it stuck with my writing, but you know, here we have these lovely little things called <laughs> phones, uh, yeah. that, that are always in our hand. And, and I just started to really watch my surroundings. So I spent the entire year um, praying for forgiveness while I grumbled at the same time mm -hmm. about, about this commute and, and just the way the city was, the noise and the, and the, just the conditions of certain things. And I started to take pictures mm. and I, I just found so much joy in that. And I found so much beauty in this, in, in the city, in, in just okay. some really rough, uh, kinds of places and taking pictures of people and, and, and just views from the train. And mm -hmm. that really, that practice, um, brought me a lot of joy. And, and again, we kind of go back to awe. Yeah. God showed me that there was beauty everywhere because he is everywhere. Yes. Yeah. So, um, so those were two big changes that taught me a lot and are continuing to teach me a lot. And um, yeah, and, and, you know, I think the more we, we challenge ourselves with things like that, whether it's, you know, change or trying something new is, it's also a source of inspiration. I think it, it just helps us as creative people um, and just people in general. Um you know, it just helps us grow and Absolutely. hopefully become more interesting. <laughs> and we can become more interesting. We have more stories to tell because of yes. these new experiences and this, mm -hmm. this way of being able to see with awe, there's beauty everywhere. I, everything mm -hmm. you've said, I, I resonate so deeply with, I, I look for the craziest things like hearts. There are heart-shaped mm -hmm. leaves. There, right. there have been pieces of gum trampled over on the sidewalk in the city that are in the shape of a heart. Now it's black, but it's a shape of a heart. And, and you know, it's the craziest thing. Well, some hearts are. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Some hearts are hard and black. But the, the point is you can find fun. You can find beauty. There is inspiration everywhere if you're paying attention back to what you were saying before noticing mm -hmm. and and it's interesting mm -hmm. how you know your your comment about taking pictures you saw beauty as you were looking 
you know, it's, mm -hmm. it's like you, we need to be engaged, right? And not passive receivers of our lives. And I think right. we have to choose said, to do it. Very good. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. Back to what you said earlier about habits and, and, you know, rhythms and things, those are valuable, but we can end up shrinking instead of opening ourselves up and expanding. And so that that is a beautiful thing. Now I have a, this question that's sniggling in my head. You said that you had a business and then you went to work for Moody. Mm -hmm. That is a big transition to not right. have a business anymore and then go to work for somebody after you've been your own boss. What, right. What was that transition like for you? And how did you know that was the right thing? Because this is also something I know my listeners are, you know, they're doing something right now, but they know there's something else. And that taking that step can be challenging. Yeah. And I think we we kind of know what it is we want to do, uh -huh. but we either allow busyness to, to trump that or we're just too scared. Mm. Right. And I think the more scary things we do, the less scary the next thing becomes. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> so I was working full time uh, for eight years as a marketing writer, publicity person at a, um, oh, I'm sorry, pub uh, public relations. There's a difference um, yeah. at a uh, Christian college. It was a nice, sweet little secure job. Um, if there is such a thing, right, uh, as a secure job. <laughs> and uh, really and I worked with a great team, lovely little place close to home, meeting my needs. But one thing I really wanted was a, I wanted more independence. I wanted more of what I think a lot of the younger generation of, of um, career people want is flexibility. Mm -hmm. And I didn't have that. And I knew from having freelanced at different uh, points in my life that it's it's almost like you're like a craftsman and, and certain jobs are like a craft right mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. if if you you know years ago if you were a blacksmith um someone had a need you filled that need you got paid um it wasn't like well i'm going to be a blacksmith from nine to five and right. someone's paying me the same amount of money i have to fulfill that I have to I have to fulfill that order for horseshoes or whatever it is right. to get paid. So I understood that. I understood like I if I don't do this work, I don't make a living. Um, but there's still so much that mentality that like it's almost like a industrial revolution, I guess, uh, kind of mm. holdover where it's like you punch in, you punch out, you get paid. And that's, that's fine. I mean, that, that works for a lot of people. I wanted to get paid for what I was doing and, um, and, and for my expertise and, and then have, you know, like that time to, you know, maybe have an hour in the day where I did something else and took a break from, mm -hmm. from the desk. Mm -hmm. So that's, walk in so the that's woods. when I, right. So that's where I got the idea. Well, you know what? I'm just, I'm going to freelance. I've been writing professionally for, for decades. Um, I've, I've built clientele. I know how to do this. Um, so for three years in the wee hours and on my lunch breaks, I started to build a clientele that never interfered with my day job. I, I couldn't do that. I was at a desk and that was it. I had to do my job. And then I did 
this other work to build my business. So I did that for three years while I was working full time. And then I launched off on my own. So I didn't just kind of like quit my job and decide right, I was, you know, right. you <laughs> um, created a side hustle. Yes, um, it was my side hustle. And yes. then, yeah. And then I was uh, two years freelancing and, and it's tough. I mean, you mm. can, as, as much as you think, here's my cushion, make sure your cushion is at least doubled what oh, you think it should oh, be. That's good. Um, to so it was, it was rough. Um, my, in fact, my first year was pretty phenomenal. And the second year was a little rougher financially. Mm. Um, but I got clients all different ways. That's a whole nother, that, that could be a whole nother discussion of how I went about doing that. But, um, and so it was great. And I had a friend contact me. She's uh, actually the, uh, she's an author and she's a managing editor of Today in the Word, which is the devotional that uh, Moody oh. Bible Institute puts out. Yeah. Uh, Jamie Jano, she she contacted me and she said, you know, I know you're not looking for full-time work, but <laughs> I really think you might be interested in this job as a book editor. It's a senior book editor at Moody Publishers. And, and being the open person I am, <laughs> the, you know, oh, this could be an adventure kind of person. Um, you know, I, I looked into it, I considered it, I applied for it, and they offered it to me. Wow. And I was like, oh, <laughs> now I have now to make another choice. <laughs> <laughs> right. So um, I prayed about it, right? I prayed about it. And, um, and I, and I had thought, um, I had considered publishing way back when, um, like, is that maybe a career I would move into at some point? So, um, despite my hesitation about working in the city and, uh, going back to a little bit more of a, you know, nine to five kind of situation, um, I, I accepted the position. I love it. I love the work I do. And, um, but here I am remote anyway, right? <laughs> so, yeah. because things change, you know, every, everything changes, Lisa, everything changes. I a hundred percent agree with that, Amanda. What, what we feel the the fear of mm -hmm. taking a step that might lock us into something with no flexibility. And this is what I'm doing forever. As long as I'm in this position, you're not in the city anymore. You're still right. doing the work. You're able to have some flexibility and you're also writing books. So we don't see all of the path ahead. And I, I'm a firm believer that God gives us enough light to take the next step in trust and yes. it works out like that. And that's part of paying attention too, right? The invitation, mm -hmm. the opportunity, the the sense of adventure, those are our choices. Right. And and we could choose that no, I'm I'm good. I'm I'm, you know, gonna be content with the things that I have. And I, you know, just gonna let that dream, that mm -hmm. passion wither mm -hmm. away, kind of like skin mm -hmm. as we age or whatever. But I mm -hmm. I am so inspired to hear how you have made these practices of, of paying attention and being in nature because 
there's so much research now that talks about, mm -hmm. you know, regulating and being learning to be in alignment with our emotions and our body and the, the somatic prox, uh, practices and things. And you're already doing all of this. And, and it sounds like, and of course life is, you know, like you said, everything changes, but it sounds mm -hmm. like you're in a season where the rhythm is, is peaceful mm -hmm. and, and yet, you know, things have to be flexible because deadlines come and, and things like right. that, which does that resonate? Do you, you feel a sense of peace? Yes. And I think we have to make a daily choice to cut certain things out um, mm. or we won't have that peace. I mean, uh, um, part of being an, uh, an author, um, you know, I, I talked about, are you a writer or are you an author? What I think a lot of, especially new authors, are are surprised by, and and people who aren't published yet don't realize, is that the writing is maybe ten percent of my time. Yeah. The rest of it, especially because things have changed in publishing over the over the decades, um, you're you're a marketer, you're 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 a publicist, you're um, a social media guru. I mean, you kind of have to to be willing to do all these things and they're very time consuming. So you really have to be careful um, not to get too sucked into that, um, you know, as far as as far as being an author. But those things kind of suck us in, you know, all the time. Right. And yeah, we could spend can, sure. so many hours a day um, doing the extra that isn't maybe necessary to do instead of writing that book mm -hmm. I mean we do have so many choices um and the other thing we didn't touch on but was a really big um, part of my decision to first go back to children's writing um but maybe maybe take the job too but but really my decision to go back to children's writing was to me an act of obedience. Mm. Um, and those things that God puts on our hearts or gifts us to do, and we continue to say no to, I think it's important for us to stop and say, am I being disobedient? Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's a tough question. Um, we, we, we don't want to think we are, um, but it, it's possible. There's, there's an aspect of that. Yeah. Um, in, uh, in these kind of decisions. Yeah, I, I love that you circled back to that because we could distract ourselves with doing good things. And yet that isn't necessarily what God had in mind when the opportunities to, to work differently came your way. You know, you could have just gotten into your work and not thought about writing again as an author. And mm -hmm. yet you recognized this is something that has been a part of your life, this desire and wanting to write books that will inspire children. And, and it's not an easy, easy role to fill. No. And, and, you know, and, and even when we do say yes to God, it might not go the way we expect. <laughs> um, and that, and I knew that, I mean, I, I knew that if I went back to writing, um, I had a young adult novel I would, I had been working on over the years and, uh, 
had n- never had middle grade fiction really in mind mm-hmm. um, or the series even. Um, I'm, but I was excited when I said, yes, I'm going to commit myself to my children's writing again. I'm going to go back to that story. And I committed um, all my train rides to only working on on that book. Uh-huh. Because uh, there were no distractions, right? Unless I, you know, was on my phone. So, but I com- I made a commitment to go back to it. And I wasn't thinking about, oh, maybe I'll get published. You know, maybe I'll finally have a book published or who am I going to pitch this to? Or, oh, now I know some people in publishing, maybe they'll help me. I, I didn't think about that. I just felt so much joy about saying yes mm. and getting back to that story. And um and just kind of surrendered, I, I surrendered whatever was going to happen with it. And do you know where that story is right now? It's still on my laptop. <laughs> oh, but getting you writing again, it served yes. that purpose. It absolutely did. 50,000 words later. Um, so it, it's there, you yeah. know, it's, and I, I'm, ex- I do want to go back to it because I w- was enjoying it so much, but absolutely we can say yes to one thing, but it just might be kind of this doorway into something else God wants us to do. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's that first step, then another step, but mm-hmm. but we don't see where it's all heading, right? And no. and so so here you are today reminding yourself of awe and inspiration and the ways to sustain yourself as a as a writer, as an author, and also doing the work to help nonfiction authors, big kids <laughs> get out into the world as well. I love that you are recognizing all these practices because this is something that I share a lot in my solo episodes is what are some of the practices that we can mm. put into place? What would that look like in your life? And so here you've put those words into a real life that is doing these things and and being brave and courageous and having a good time at the same time. So I love it. I I really am thankful that you were able to, you know, give this window of time so that folks can get to know you and in my show notes, I'll put all the ways to to find the Tree Street Kids uh, because mm-hmm. I know that there are listeners who have both children in that age group and then some that have grandchildren in that age group, right, like right. myself, mm-hmm. as a matter of fact. So, <laughs> so it will be fun to um, share your work that way as well. So, Amanda, thank you so much, and and just keep doing the good work of serving God as He leads you, and mm-hmm. that's that's beautiful. Well, thanks for the conversation, Lisa. Um, I enjoyed it a lot and I, I hope it was helpful. Oh, yes. There are there are many sound bites that I'm going to go back and grab and remind people of the wisdom that you've shared. So keep, keep doing that too whenever you have an opportunity because it's very natural and I love that. Thanks. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of Let Go Lean In podcast. I so appreciate you taking the time to listen and engage with the thoughts that come out of my head and into this microphone, as well as listening to conversations that I'm privileged to have with other amazing people who are doing great work in the world. I would 
really appreciate you sharing this episode or other episodes of Let Go Lean In podcast with people who you think would benefit from the information that is being shared here. Also, it's always a great help to others by liking and subscribing to the podcast so that the SEO goes up and Apple Podcast and where you listen to podcasts will show the podcast as interesting and available. So please help us out to get the word out by liking and subscribing and coming back next week. Thanks for being here.